Hi everyone and welcome to Opera Omnia. This is the season one finale. Um, this is a eulogy of sorts to what has been an incredible run of seven episodes tackling the work of the great and powerful Ben Wheatley. Now, um, if you're joining us on this episode, that is bad form. Go back and listen to the seven episode run we did through Ben Wheatley's back catalogue. Opera Omnia is a podcast that looks season on season at different directors covering their entire filmography with one simple goal, not only reviewing the movies, but picking what we think is the best movie in their catalogue. And every season has a resident guest host. On season one, which was a redo, so to speak, because initially Opera Omnia existed a couple of years ago, it was myself and my good buddy Andy Blockley and we just could not work out times for recording and anything about halfway through and was abandoned on Michael Mann. It took a bit of turn and fro to bring it back and I brought over my guest who's joining me for the final time on this season. Um, he has made this an incredible success for me at an easy, easy bit of recording if ever there was one. Um, but hopefully he's enjoyed the journey himself. He is one of the guys on the What's He Horror Party podcast. He is a very busy, talented podcaster who has joined me in some other things since and in between, and our friendship has, for lack of a better word, blossomed into something a bit more serious. What I'm saying is, Watson, I think we might be going steady. Um, <laughs> how you doing, buddy? My friend, it's good to be back here to have this little recap or this little... What would oh, this little bookend, I guess you could say, this epilogue yeah. to, so like you said in the last episode, to be like, fiend. Yeah, I dig it, man. Yeah, I dig at it. The end, that's what I, yeah. Some French singing in the background, the bur- a bird oh. flies over the top of it. Mais oui, petit monsieur. Someone, oh, dear oh. God, oh, mate, I was not ready for oh, that. Baby. I need to now beat Ooh, la, la. I need to, <laughs> need to beat my dick down with a hammer. Where's the hammer? <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we we um, officially first met, it does feel like a dating thing now, uh, we officially first met back in January uh, of this year. It was a simpler time. Oh. Um, there was no world pandemic. Um, everyone was quite happy. Tensions were still out there, but not anywhere near the level of where they are now. Um, and we started a little project of looking at the seven movies uh, is the best way to describe them even though one is a TV movie Uh, Seven Movies by Ben Wheatley a director that you had knowledge of and had seen a few of but hadn't done the entire run Um, I suppose looking back at the start now, is it worth saying did the journey, not the podcast experience, but did the journey of movies live up to your expectations or were you surprised um, either kind of positively or negatively by Wheatley's output? Oh, Wheatley delivered the goods is all I can say. I mean, I, I don't mean to be so simple and, and, and short with like a, just a couple word answer here, but he he delivered the goods. And as we went through this journey, I, I movie to movie, uh, even the one even the one and only one that I was iffy on, it still won me over for its complexities and its Wheatleyisms that our conversation helped uncover for me. So this journey has been uh, more than worthwhile, my friend. Yeah, I think the thing about Wheatley as a director that has always kind of fascinated me and I've always found myself gravitated towards is I think he has 
is a very unique way at looking at people <laughs> is the best way to describe it. I always love his characters. Like even the, the, the more surreal, absurd characters. There's a kind of it's almost as if he channels at times in his comedy the like elements of the Coen brothers but ground them in a much darker reality. Yeah. Um and I, I've always loved that about him and I think he's a director who clearly wears his influences on his sleeves. He's very much a fan of 70 cinema and you get that in spades throughout what he does but I think above all else I think he's incredibly accomplished like I, I the one thing we've said is while watching this is when you start to give this man a budget watch out um, and we've seen that like he starts working with bigger budgets better equipment better actors um, or bigger actors maybe not even necessarily better actors sure. and you start to see projects take on a, a like a whole new life and at this stage I you know I, I can't wait to see we know roughly what he's going to be doing next but I can't wait to see the next iteration of, of Ben Whitley on, on the screen and I think going through these movies in such a close proximity you know a couple of months and we've, we've went through his entire catalogue here has given me an appreciation above the appreciation that I actually had and the conversations making me approach his particular storytelling in different ways have been immensely valuable to just my appreciation of how he designed cinema, but how I consume cinema. Um, I think that's that has been the big thing, and I think you've you put me through my paces, which I, I really want because, uh, truth be told, I well I'd seen all the movies in Ben Wheatley's catalogue here. I'm about to do a season two where I've seen all the movies that that director's done. So none of these were fresh watches where I could kind of fumble through my opinions. Yeah. Uh, you know, like on the spot. Well, I think this. I think this. A lot of these movies have been with me years. So I've had time to almost calcify those opinions. Um, so to to be questioned on, well, I'm surprised you saw it this way, or this is what I think. Do you see that? Um, as as kind of, it's that way where they recommend that when you reach a certain age, you should download apps on your phones that give you daily puzzles <laughs> to keep your brain active. <laughs> that's been my that's been my my weekly kind of cinema analysis uh, of the last couple of months, mostly down to yourself, just kind of put me through my paces in the best possible way. Now, Mr. Rosen, um, we're way back at the start. Uh, I asked you on the what would would have been the kind of prologue to this, because you remember back in episode one, we had a small recorded bit before we went into the show where I asked you um, a couple of questions about your weekly experience back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I asked you to give me three words that you thought would best describe what you anticipated from Opera Omnia's experience of Ben Wheatley and you said stark and black comedic mm-hmm. and at the time I laughed and I was like that you may have just hit that like so on the na- on the nose that um, that you know <laughs> this game might be over um, <laughs> and I, ca- I still kind of stick with that I still think that you pretty much nailed uh, the, some of the best descriptive ways you could turn I think there isn't any Weekly movie out with Kill List, uh, which doesn't have a degree of humour, and and if there is one thing that unifies them all, is there is a huge degree of starkness. Oh yeah, and <laughs> everything that we've tackled. Um, so looking back on that, I, I mean, like I say, I think you nailed it. Uh, still happy with those words? Is there anything you would now add if I opened up and said, you know what, this isn't Twitter and you're capped to how many characters? You know, flinging a couple of extra words there. Uh, would you change any that you have, or would you add some more now? 
I don't want to turn my back on those original three words, but mm. I will add to them with a new set of three having completed the journey. And let me see what you think of this. Oh. Relational, intricate struggle. Yes, yes, and yes, yeah. Yeah, that's where that's where I fall, especially I think- after... Uh, I mean, you know, when you had in our last episode, you had talked about the bookend films, at least thus thus far in Wheatley's filmic journey as as he goes along with Down Terrace 2009 and Happy New Year. I almost always want I almost always want to say Happy Birthday, Colin Burstead. I do the but, same. Uh, I do the yeah, same. It's, but, it's horrible, <laughs> and he should know what he's done and have changed the name. Yeah, but th- those bookends <laughs> are, uh, you, you know, they. They do encapsulate, yes, the, the stark black comedic, but also this relational intricate struggle in both of those movies on the beginning, at the beginning rather, and at the, what is currently the end, you know, I mean, not end, but the, just the, the current, uh, the, the yeah. current movie that he's done, the, the latest, the, the most recent, it, they encapsulate these things and everything in between is just a, like a boiling pot of this relational intricate struggle. And every movie mm. has it. Every single one. Yeah. yeah. I think you're spot on there. I think he, like I said before, there's there's a part of him that I think really taps into a part of the human condition, which is which is fascinating, but also at the same time quite unnerving. Like, oh. it's, it, I'm not saying that he's holding a mirror, a mirror up to all of us, but in some weird sort of way, Wheatley manages to encapsulate a lot of personality types in the work he does and amplify some of the more unpleasant natures or the neurosis that we have over certain things. I think he he really does do that well. But it is always about the relationship between characters. Relationships, whether they are interpersonal um, or romantic or, you know, kind of almost superficial or professional. He, He covers them all and that's always the backbone of where you're going whether it's the family struggles of Dim Terrace the the kind of occupational struggles of Kill List um, or the or on, on some level the, the, the kind of um, societal hierarchy of of Kill List um, the, the kind of romantic relationship at the core of um, Sightseers yeah, yeah the, the kind of political uh, and social class statement of high rise um, down to like it, Free Fire like, Free Fire is probably his most simplistic film and we said that at the time just in terms of kind of bare bones plot it's a, it's a shoot em up um, but you know the fact that he mixes kind of right the CIA is going to be involved and the IRA is going to be involved and how these factions all work as well they're in there as well uh, and then finally the kind of family relationship you get right at the at the very end, which in some weird way bookmarks the kind of family relationship that you got from Dim Terrace at the beginning. So yep. I, I think it's always there, it's always present, and I think it's a great observation. Um, you are given the option of recommending Wheatley to a friend. Um, this friend is a big fan of cinema so it's not like just your casual cinema goer okay um what would you recommend as the entry point then because mm. free fire almost feels like it, it's a universal movie that everyone would get something out of but i don't know if free fire is the best introduction 
to Ben Wheatley because the rest of his movies, even to an extent Happy New Year, Colin Bernstein, feel so different. Sure. Yeah. So what's your what's your entry point? I'll tell you what. Next time I decide I want to date a young lady who I trust enough to bring actually over to my house. Um, <laughs> ben Wheatley in the films, especially if she's film oriented or, you know, or, or as a friend, as you said, somebody who is knowledgeable to a degree of film, but they don't know Wheatley. Mm-hmm. Then they're going, my, my two go, my, I have two go tos here and I'm going to gauge it depending on how the night's going. If it's feeling like if, if I can gather from this person that they have darker sensibilities and if I'm feeling like showing them, hey, or asking them rather, hey, you want to see something that's going to fuck you up a little bit? Then we're going kill list all the way, baby. We're going to just give them we're going <laughs> to ram it in no lube. It's just happening. And, and I mean, it, filmically, of course, I'm, I'm speaking in in, in th- that was a yeah. was that a euphemism. Is that what that was? But no. So that, that's yeah, what I'm saying, me, because yeah. obviously we, I want their viewing of kill list to be consensual but (laughs) Mm -hmm. so always always or if i'm gauging that okay maybe they're not ready for extreme film they're not they don't have those dark sensibilities and i'm really good at sussing those things out then i'm going sightseers Mm. yeah yeah i think i think you're pretty much i had originally toyed with the idea of high-rise uh, because High Rise has the big named actors, has mm-hmm. I think maybe the most money spent on it. I think of all the Probably, movies yeah. that, that Wheatley has done, uh, the biggest budget. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, I'm I'm trading off something here with big names and budget for something that is a little longer than all of these other movies and and more densely packed with with kind of commentary. Weirdly, I am not that far off you. I think Sightseers for the most part, is the best entry point. I think it covers the dark parts, like specifically the bleak endings that Wheatley loves. Um, it covers all that, but it has that kind of weird off-kilter sense of humour as well. And I think it acclimates someone who is not necessarily you know, privy to what Wheatley does in a great way where you get the idea of the countryside, the scenery, which he clearly adores in his movies, the mm. the, the darkness, the gore is there in spades as well. Um, so I'm there. If I think the person is up for a lengthy conversation at the end of watching the movie, always kill this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like always. <laughs> Let, let's watch this movie and let's chat. Um, always, always, always. And that's good to know. So we're at the same page, same page. We both finished. Um, our season uh, resolutely in favour of Kill List topping the list yes, we did. of movies. The one yep. thing I didn't ask you on that recording mm-hmm. is what would be number two? Ooh, number two. Yeah, because this is hard because you can go down different directions depending on which which mm. way you want to sway the, 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 the weekly list. Okay, okay, okay. Well... Number two for me is almost a toss-up between High Rise and Sightseers. I mm. find both of those movies incredibly fascinating, and you know we we talked them over. And Sightseers is the movie that was more fun, and there's still massive conversation to be had there. The you know relational dynamic that is you know the dynamics there are you know definitely you can have conversations you know over many a glass of whiskey about that. High Rise. Mm-hmm. If I'm well, once again, well, you know, this isn't a recommendation thing. I, I think I'm gonna go sightseers, barely, barely edging out high rise. But you know, if if once again, you know, you were to say, okay, what's the second movie you're gonna show this, you know, this potential future ex Mrs. Watson? Well, 
then <laughs> if I feel like she's a smart person and I just smart girls don't tend to like me very much. So that, that, that that's a shame. Uh, <laughs> no, but if, if I do know, if I do, do detect that she's a brainy sort of lady, then a sophisticated mama, then I'm going to be like, hi, Rise, and let's talk about some politics, girl, and let, let's chat it out. But yeah, I think that that's as far as recommendations go. But yes, I, I'm thinking that Sightseers was the movie of his that I had the most fun with. So I think I'm just yes. going to kind of go follow my emotions and go that way, Duncan. What about you? What's your second favorite? It's interesting because I am, um, I mean, my head will always say a field in England, but my heart will always say sightseers. Mm. Oh, gotcha. Um, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think, my, I think, like, as a, as a pure watching experience where I can appreciate how difficult it is to do a dark, quirky comedy and pull it off as, you know, as deftly and with a lot of substance. Um, you know, like Sightseers is a, is a remarkable little movie. Uh, a Field in England is that one that I will always kind of push for because it's it's the underdog of his collection more than even more than something like Happy New Year, Colin Burson, which has a a, a mainstream appeal. Yeah. A Field in England was never going to have oh, a mainstream no, appeal. Not at it all. Is, <laughs> so it is such a a weird little not even oddity in his collection, but it's such a singular vision. Um, of this is the movie I want to make and I will not be compromised and that starts right off with the fact I'm going to do it in black and white um, which which alienates a huge part of the audience and then I'm going to make a period piece set during the English Civil War there's another sway of the audience leaving um, and I'm going to do it on hallucinogens and <laughs> you know the you know, the human condition uh, and you know potential Satanism and all like when you start throwing all those things in there's really only a a small pool of people that will appreciate a movie like that and I just happen to be one of them um, and I think he, you know, he, I said it during the recording and I, I, I'd kind of doubled down it's almost as if he made that movie for me um, weirdly it's like he sat there one day and was like you know Duncan would like this movie um, so yeah I, I, but Sightseers is where the heart goes I mean the heart wants what the heart, the heart wants, wants it's, what the heart wants <laughs> you know what I mean it, re- it really does the, the heart wants the, the, the pure cringy joy of 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 kind of a, a couple going to visit a chocolate factory and thinking that's a or like a transport museum um, and, and thinking that that's a cool first date um, <laughs> you know and I will go caravanning uh, and all these things that come with it uh, yeah it's just it's full of like really surreal weird little moments that that are uncomfortable and pleasant and cringy but you can't take your eyes off them and they're immensely amusing until the end when they're not <laughs> like so um yeah i think it's i think it's one of those movies i like sightseers is the one any day of the week i could put on and watch. oh yeah other of the the rest of the the, the weekly catalog and that includes free fire as well actually in that catalog are ones i have to be in a certain mind for sure uh, whereas i could put sightseers on any time at all um so yeah, as it's where I, I, I fall in with them. Uh, the next and final question I need to ask you um, before we we bring this season to a close uh, is that is there a director that you would recommend our listeners to check out off the back of your viewing experiences of Ben Wheatley? Is there anyone where you're like, right, you've went through the Wheatley catalog? Um, you know what I think. Without too much of a stretch here, 
you could check out this guy's work or this woman's work. Or, and th- there isn't the, the other acceptable answer here is no. <laughs> Wheatley exists in his own <laughs> bubble. But is there anyone that you think actually, you know, that there's a, a lot of the, the kind of, the, from the keywords that you've put out there, um, even if they're not done exactly in the same manner, is there another director out there who are, who's ticking off a lot of those all those boxes you know there there is and it is a director mm. who dave and i dave z and i he's my co-host on the watsy party horror show we recently did one of his movies and at first glance the the stylistic similarities you're, you're going to say wait what stylistic similarities there are none <laughs> uh you might say you know what how how what why would you on the back of ben wheatley recommend this gentleman uh, and here's why I'm recommending Lars von Trier. Now, like I said, visually and in these sorts of things, and even in the way they write their their stories, might not be similar, but the way they tackle their characters with such... Gosh, the English language is failing me, Duncan. The way that those two directors, <laughs> they, they, they imbue their characters with life. And with depth, Mm -hmm. and like I said, with intricacies and with problems and with terror and with inner turmoil, Wheatley's a king of at this, and so is Lars von Trier. And so I happen to think that if you were to say, okay, this this journey with Duncan and Watson has been great, I'm I'm okay, I'm loving, I'm feeling Wheatley. Shoot, Rebecca's not coming out. That's going to be some, I think, sort of ghostly (laughs) movie he was going to do. Uh, there's a movie he was mm-hmm. going to do called Freak Shift, which is kind of a monster movie. He was obviously announced to do the big Tomb Raider 2, you know, sort of t- from the 2018 reboot. So he could be on his way to A-list status after all these fucking years. But you might be going, well, okay, we've gone on this journey, but now what? And if I were to say, well, obviously go to season two of Opera Omnia, because that's going to rock with, with Duncan and Richard. But if you're speaking in terms of the way characterization is handled, go Lars von Trier and be ready to see characters handled every bit as intricately, but from a slightly skewed perspective, a different rather skewed perspective than Wheatley's own skewed perspective. (laughs) What do you think about that, Duncan? Nice. I love it. I love it. Um, I think, I think you went, you went down the headier road that I hoped you would. Well, like, I think I think there is there is an element. I think it's very easy to pigeonhole Ben Wheatley as a weird, obscure little director who makes weird and obscure little movies. But I think when you can see the art and the craft in there, and then liken him to someone along the status of Von Trier, who is incredibly divisive, but at the same time, um, you don't ever ever really hear anyone berate the craft. Of his no. movies, it's usually the content. Um, so yeah, the fact that you go down that road uh, makes me immensely happy. I think that's a great suggestion. Yes. Uh, and the jump, yeah. See, I knew I chose well. I knew I chose well. <laughs> right. Um, well, I, I, we said this. Um, we knew it was going to come. Uh, we have delayed it as much as possible, but the end is now nigh, and we are moving on to a brand new season of Opera Omnia, which is coming in just a few weeks' time with a new guest, a new director, and uh, a brand new series of conversations which will look at the director's Opera Omnia, his body of work, 
if you will. That director will be Peter Strickland, who has currently four feature-length movies out. He's done some shorts, we're not covering them. Uh, the movies we will be looking at are Catelyn Varga, his take on a kind of European rape revenge. It's very, 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 very good as an opening movie. Uh, we will follow that up with Barbarian Sound Studio, his love letter to 70s Italian cinema, ah. uh, and specifically the Giallo. Um, we will then be trundling along to a movie that is going to be very hard to convince me isn't his best movie, uh, which is The Duke of Burgundy, which is this heady, incredible work of art which is, for all intents and purposes, a kind of very, very, very softcore Euro kind of Euro porn, Euro romantic <laughs> movie in the realms of uh, uh, imagine what would happen if Jess Franco actually made like art house movies. It's, it's in that level, it's incredible. And then his most recent movie is In Fabric, a movie which is uh, essentially three stories about a haunted dress which, uh, by God Almighty, if if that doesn't make you smile, I don't know what will. So that's where we're we're going next. Um, But I would just, for the final time here, like to thank uh, Mr. Watson for stepping up to the plate. I think that's an American sports ball (laughs) reference. Sports ball. Sports ball, I know the things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sports ball. Red card, fine. <laughs> card. You're in the you're in the docket, yeah. man. Go to the dugout uh, and score a goals. <laughs> goals. <laughs> um, so yeah, everything's great here. We know what we're on about. Um, but yeah, I, I I want to thank you personally for for coming on and making the first season like so much fun. Like, we didn't do things by half measures. We jumped in with both oh, feet, and I I like to think. As reviewers, we've been rewarded immensely for it. And I want to say, being uh, very kind of presumptuous about the, the listener experience, but I think our listeners have been greatly rewarded for it. Um, for the last time, my friend, would you like to say goodbye to the listeners out there, please? Yes, indeed. And folks, and, and Duncan, this has been my pleasure to no end recording and forging this relationship with Duncan, this friendship. And you know, this is going to last a long time. We're going to be hitting each other up for years to come just about movie Mm -hmm. opinions, about whatever guest spots, even if we're not recording uh, anything, you know, just though what up? I mean, it's so good to know that there, that this thing we do, this art form, this podcast thing makes and creates real friendships. And, you know, and I think if, if anybody out there, listening has ever connected with Duncan or with me or with the person you're listening to, uh, you know, on the other side of your headphones, your understanding of that dynamic that you're playing a part in something relational by with, with this podcast thing we're doing. And I love being just involved in that, my friend. And this has been good for me. Mm. And I just want to thank you very much for allowing me and helping me step up to this proverbial podcasting opera omniatic plate. Yeah, I made up the word omniatic. Uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, for stepping up and, and, and being able to help you do this. It, it has been so much fun, and I, I can't wait to see what you do with this in the future. I'm sure I will weasel my way under the stairs more times than people <laughs> are going to uh, be comfortable with, but we're going to love it, and that's all that matters. This has been my pleasure. Duncan, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'll tell you right now, you are the sort of person that I would lock behind a trap door but give the key to get out anytime <laughs> you wanted. 
There we go. I'm not saying that I would let well. anyone else out. The resties are stuck forever. Um, and that's where my brain goes when the hour is Woo. dark. Uh, <laughs> right thank you very much for listening to this episode dear listeners out there Opera Omnia will return in a few weeks time with the kickoff of season 2 uh, so you've got a couple of weeks to go away and find yourself a copy of Catelyn Varga strap yourselves in and prepare to get a little bit uncomfortable as we begin a brand new journey all over again from myself and my co-host, Mr. Watson, please take care and I will speak to you all in season two.